Mad Max. Max Scherzer was ejected on Wednesday for sticky stuff, according to Phil Cuzzy, when it was really just sweat and rosin. Phil, what are you doing? Luckily, the Mets are resilient. They come back from that and win the game. They win the series in Los Angeles over the Dodgers. They take two out of three. And boy, what a win it was. We will react to that Scherzer ejection. We'll play Max is post-game reaction. We'll play Buck's comments after the game and talk about a wild series in L.A. We also will play the rest of our interview with Daniel Murphy. The video is out, but if you miss the rest of the audio, we'll play the second half of that on this episode. And we air our interview with Kodai Senga's translator, Hiro Fujiwara. You'll hear that interview with me and Nelson Figueroa, and you'll hear a jam-packed episode of Amazing But True from the New York Post. And it's coming up next. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York, folks. It's out of here. We got you. The umpires did another check of Max Scherzer, and after a heated discussion, Scherzer has been ejected from the game, presumably for having a spit sticky substance on his hand. But Nimmo drives one deep to right center, and that's going to put the Mets in front. Nimmo halfway up in the pavilion, a two-run shot, his first home run of the year. He struck him out, and the ball game is over. Adovino strikes out Outman, and the Mets take two out of three in L.A. Welcome back to Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. Those highlights you just heard, courtesy of SNY, as the Mets beat Noah Syndergaard and the Dodgers. They take two out of three in Hollywood. Hollywood swinging. Two of the three very entertaining games as well. Monday was a fantastic back and forth. Wednesday, a great game with a big storyline. We'll get into a second. Max Scherzer's veins are popping as we speak. It's Jake Brown here. Follow me on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio. Follow the podcast at Amazing But True. You can watch the full Daniel Murphy interview on the New York Post Sports YouTube page. Find that Amazing But True playlist. We'll play the part of it you didn't hear in the audio side. In the audio version coming up a little bit later in the show. We'll also air our interview with Hiro Fujiwara the translator of Kodai Senga, who will pitch Thursday. As many of you hear this, when the Mets head to San Fran to take on the Giants, he pitches. you hear from the translator in just a little bit as well. But the story at hand here, we got to get right into the nitty-gritty. The Mets win 5-for-5 five five for Brandon Nemo. What a day for him. He gets hurt, but he's okay in the ninth inning on a slide. Mark Canna gets hurt. On the ninth inning, but it seems like he's okay on a slide, a home plate. And Starling Marte had to leave the game uh, early due to a stiff neck. So everyone's banged up. I was convinced I was going to get hurt walking to the fridge to get my bottle of water. That's the way things are going for the Mets. Carlos Carrasco headed to the IL. It seems like Joey Lucchese is going to be his replacement and pitch Friday in San Francisco. We'll see how long Carrasco's out for. It seems like Justin Verlander is going to be first week or second week of May for his return. So the Mets are the walking wounded, but they're finding ways to win. Led by chicken parm god Jimmy Yacobonis, who came in for Max Scherzer. The middle relief got it done. Jeff Brigham, back-to-back days, getting it done. So Drew Smith, getting it done. 
David Robertson proving he's human as he gives up his first run of the year and the Mets still find a way to win. They are 12 and seven, 19 games into the season, a great series win for the boys. I mean, this was a big one, but let's get right into the big story. Max Scherzer gets checked after the second inning. They make him switch gloves. You know, he says it's just rosin and sweat gets checked again after the third inning comes out for the bottom of the fourth gets checked. They said, bang, you're out of here. Phil Cuzzy, known for this stuff. He's the only guy to do it in the big leagues. Three times, three ejections, all Phil Cuzzy. Something suspicious there about Phil Cuzzy because no one else has done it except for him, and that's alarming. And both Buck and Scherzer obviously addressed Phil Cuzzy because he was the story after the game. Let's start with Andrew Hart's our producer here with me. Let's start Hart with playing the max audio, because these were some strong words talking about his children involved and talking about what he had, what the whole story was. Let's play what Max Scherzer said after the game Wednesday after he was ejected. So after the second inning, uh, you know, my hand, it was a little clumpy uh, from the rosin and sweat that it was clumpy and Phil was told me to wash off. So I washed it off, uh, you know, came back out there after the third, you know, with alcohol, you know, I washed it with alcohol. Um and rosin, and when I went back out there, um, you know, the alcohol for a little bit there can be sticky if, in rosin. It, that can happen. So he was like, that's too sticky. You need to go back on there, wash it off again, and reapply uh, the rosin. And so I did that, and then at the same time, he thought my glove had too much rosin on it. And I was like, okay, if that's a problem, you know, there's there's nothing going on. It, you know, he's like, you need a new glove. Like, okay. So come back out, uh, pitch a third, uh, and knew I was going to get checked in the fourth. So I, I'd have to be an absolute idiot to do, try to do anything when I'm coming back out for the fourth. So in, in, the, in the, you know, after that third inning, um, I'm in front of the MLB official that's, that's underneath here. I wash my hand with alcohol in front of the official. Um, I then apply a rosin, and then I grab sweat. Um, when I then, I then go back out there, and Phil Cuzzi says that my hand's too sticky. Uh, I, I don't get it. Yes, when you use sweat and rosin, your hand is sticky. But I don't get how I get ejected when I'm when I'm in front of MLB officials doing exactly exactly what you want and being deemed that my hand's too sticky when I'm using legal substance. I do not understand that. Yeah, absolute buffoonery by Phil Cuzzi. Let's keep it 100 here. Max Scherzer should not have been ejected. And the rule says that, you know, he he might end up facing a 10-game suspension, which would be absolutely a joke. Like, you know he's not lying, and he's right. Who would go out there a second straight inning and use anything that was prohibited? Like, he would be a fool to do that. He's Max Scherzer. He's been in the league forever. The guy's been ejected for the first time in his life during, you know, while he's pitching. He's been ejected a couple of the times, both while he was in the dugout. So this is the first time, and he had a right to be mad. I'm a little surprised Buck didn't scream either at the at the umpires and say something because, you know, you thought Buck might have defended him hard there, but, you know, it's a tough situation. Buck didn't know what was going on. He he didn't know who to believe. Obviously, the, Phil Cuzzy's in the wrong here. Let's play what Buck had to say after the game because Buck also had some strong words. No, we'll let it run its course. I'm not going to walk back through that and everything. Uh, you know, we'll uh, let it run its course. We feel pretty comfortable about what went on where Max is concerned. What did they say he was ejected for? Uh, well, he's using rosin, what's on the field, and uh, that's, you know, it's a substance that's very legal. Wiped it off, washed it. I don't know, you have to, Phil's certainly uh, 
been a guy that's been known for that. So we'll see. If Phil thought there was something there, why initially did he send him back out for a different glove and then the second time eject him? He just didn't like that there were rosin on his hand. And, uh, you know, yeah, you have to ask him. You know, I, I've, I've got – I'm uh, biased, but it was a great game. Really proud of our guys. What a, what a team effort. That's as good a game as you want to see. You know, through that adversity, it's a very upbeat clubhouse right now. Phil Cuzzy, you're a loser. I mean, you're just an absolute loser. Phil Cuzzy, this is a classic situation of an umpire making the game about himself and thinking he has this higher-up authority over everyone else. It's sweat and rosin. Give me a break. It's going to be naturally – a little sticky. That's just how it is. I'm no baseball player, but that's just common sense. It's common sense. What an absolute joke. In the other audio of Max, he said, you know, I'm not going to address too much because it's going to become a legal thing. You know, with MLB getting involved, if he were to potentially get suspended, you know he's going to appeal and he deserves to win the appeal if it even gets to that point. You know, we'll see what officials say about this, but what a joke. And there's certain things in baseball you understand. You understand them cracking down on certain things, but this is getting out of hand with some of these things. And Phil Cuzzy, this is completely out of hand. Max Scherzer belonged in that game, and he was dealing. You know, he got through some trouble in the first inning base. Loda got out of it, and this hurts a team. Like, th- because the Mets don't have days off here. They got four in San Francisco. They got to blow through all their bullpen. These guys are gas, and they this could lead, this is a trickle down effect that hurts a team without days off using using relievers day after day after day. And I've already talked about in the show how the Mets have bad middle relief. Listen, they they pitch well, but you know this is going to come back to bite them. Now with Carrasco out, you got the Casey Friday. You might need relievers Friday. This is just ugly, and what a bizarre scene that happened there. I mean, you just don't see this ever. So a bizarre situation for the Mets. They end up getting the win, and a win is a win, baby. Get the win, and in honor of two out of three here on Amazing But True, we put on our two chains. Here's one for Monday's 8-6 win, an absolute shootout on Monday. The offense got it done. The team kept coming back. They were down, came back, down, came back. It was a very 2022-like Mets win, a team that was resilient and fought back. Good 8-6 win on Monday. Listen, the pitching wasn't great, but the bats are alive. That's Monday's win. Listen, Tuesday was vintage Clayton Kershaw absolutely dealing over this Mets lineup. It was his 200th career win. The Mets beat him when it mattered most in the playoffs in 2015, but the future Hall of Famer, his his off-speed stuff, his curve was just filthy. Mets couldn't score a run on Tuesday. But Wednesday, despite the Max Scherzer ejection, the resilient Mets do it again. And this chain is for Wednesday's 5-3 win. Brandon Nimmo, a 5-for-5 day, a huge two-run homer. That was the difference. They get insurance in the eighth. They get insurance in the ninth. And they needed it because, you know, a home run in the bottom of the ninth off out of Eno, a run in the bottom of the eighth. They needed those insurance runs. So this second chain goes to that. Two wins, three games. Before the Mets now head to San Francisco, open your hospital. Do, 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 do. Look that up if you don't know that. Only the real ones know that was on the Major League Baseball Greatest Hits album. And now to San Francisco, where Kodai Senga takes the hill on Thursday in the first of four against the sizzling hot J.D. Davis. 
Michael Conforto, who homers on Wednesday, of course. Darren Ruff, who's hitting. I mean, that J.D. Davis trade looks worse and worse by the day. My God. I mean, you got prospects and J.D. Davis for Darren Ruff. That is called a fleecing. And imagine J.D. Davis right now, the right-hand bat you could use. I've mentioned it. But, like, Vogelback continues to struggle a bit here. I know he had the big homer the other night, but, you know, he has been struggling. They have not gotten a lot of contributions out of DH, and they could use a guy like J.D. Davis, man. But they go to San Francisco and Kodai Senga Thursday. Likely, Luke Casey will pitch Friday. And, uh, you know, just keep winning series. It's Thursday at, at 9.45, Friday at 10.15, Saturday at 4.05, and we'll be back, me and Nelson Figueroa, Sunday, 7.08 p.m. game. So hopefully we'll be recording Sunday night, a little late night, midnight recording, and drop it for first thing, 5 a.m. on Monday. But I do have the new Kodai Senga Ghost Forkball t-shirt from Athlete Logos. You see in the video here, we have the Ghost Forkball shirt that you saw Tyler McGill wearing, so big drip, little drip, same shirt. That's right. God, it is a cozy shirt. I'm going to wear this every time he probably pitches at City Field. I got to rock this, or maybe the next homestand. We'll see you next week at City Field. So speaking of Kodai Sango, we had the chance, me and Nelson Figueroa, here at Amazing But True, to chat with his translator. Everyone wants to talk about Kodai, but what about Hero? You can be our hero. Hero Fujiwara. We spoke with him on the field last week at City Field, and here is our interview with Hiro. Here with Hiro Fujiwara, the translator of Kodai. Now it's Kodai. Kodai. Kodai Sanga. No one gets to talk to you, and you're like a cool guy, and like you're just like a cool guy, and like we want to talk to you. Uh, what's life been like coming to New York? You know, being the translator for a guy who's could be the lead of the rotation after you know Scherzer, Verlander got it's his rotation. What's life been like for you? Really exciting to watch him pitch. I mean, I'm just as much of a fan as you guys are, as everyone is. So um, I have a lot of fun watching him. It's really cool being in the clubhouse, being close to him, working with him. Not only him, but the rest of the team, really. It's a really exciting team. And I'm really excited for the season and see where it goes. Yeah. What's uh, your baseball background? I played up in Seattle, mm-hmm. uh, just a high school, but um, played baseball my whole life, so I love it. Well, it's a great way to get involved. I tell people all the time, baseball, there's so many other opportunities, so many other jobs besides actually being on the field. Translators are a huge part of the game now. And they're, you, know, you really need to have those access to those players, the foreign players, even the guys who speak Spanish. We had it for years with Professor Reyes, with Jose Reyes. His English wasn't the best, but he always gave it a good try. So having a translator who knows the game of baseball that's essential. It's really good. I'm still learning every day, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot to the game of baseball. Yep. I hope to be more knowledgeable tomorrow than I am today, so just keep working at it. The Ghost Forkball has transformed the baseball world as we know it. The shirts, big drips, rocking the shirt. Uh, has he taught you how to throw it, and have you figured it out yet? Even if I tried, I don't think I could. It's <laughs> it's a magical pitch, really. Watching it from behind, the first time I saw it, my jaw dropped. Like It's incredible. What makes it so special? Like... I don't know if it's the grip, the fact that it disappears. Like, it's just a mystifying pitch. Like, what makes it so special? Maybe I shouldn't tell you. Ah, a true professional, the secret. Yeah. How do you say "Let's go Mets" in Japanese? Ikimashou Mets. One more time. Ikimashou Mets. Ikimashou Mets. 
He can show Mets. Now he teaches me Spanish every. Maybe I should speak Japanese. Two seconds of Japanese analysis. I can't roll my R, so I can't speak Spanish. So maybe I should learn Japanese. And that's that's the way we do it. Well, uh, we're excited. What do you think of this Mets team? They're fun. What do you think of Buck Showalter and the team? It's a lot of fun, like you said. Um, a really a lot of a bunch of exciting guys. I mean, Buck's, Buck knows what he's doing, obviously. I mean, I'm not the one to talk about <laughs> anything he does. Um, Bunch of professionals. I'm and I'm ex- I'm excited to be here. I'm a. How old are you now here? 24. 24. So you live wow. the dream right now. I am. I right. Am. What What would you be doing if you didn't weren't the translator for Senga? <laughs> you know, what was your backup? Do you have a backup career? What are we gonna do? I mean, I have no idea. Well, Literally no out. idea. Literally no idea. You hit the lottery. I did. <laughs> yeah. What What a life. 24 years old. I was probably hung over after a college party or something. And here we are, Hiro Fujiwara, excited to uh, see what Senga does, we'll see what the Mets does, and keep throwing the ghost forkball. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. All righty, some great stuff there from Hiro Fujiwara. I mean, Hiro Fujiwara, this kid is 24 years old, and he's a translator for a phenom here in New York, and a guy who's going to be here a while. What a life. He's, you heard he played baseball, gave up that, taught me how to say let's go Mets in Japanese. Clearly my Japanese is better than my Spanish. You can tell that. Not surprising. There's no R rolling in that. So I'm going to say let's go Mets in Japanese. Dakota, when uh, next time we're on the field, I will say that, and maybe he'll be impressed by my Japanese. But he is fun to watch. So you'll have the ghost forkball on Thursday, and you'll have the slurve with Joey Lucchese. And I just spit, as I said, slurve. That is a tongue twister on Friday. So a couple nasty pitches coming for the Mets this weekend. Now, if you're an audio person and haven't seen the full Daniel Murphy video, which is on YouTube, we have tweeted it out. Go check it out. A must an interview. You heard a majority of the interview on Monday's podcast with me and Nelson Figueroa. Now you'll hear some other things. He talks about the, you know, the David Wright prank, uh, you know, the World Series and his struggles in the World Series after he was hot in the DS and the CS. You'll hear about that. You'll hear our interview with former Mets all-star infielder, Daniel Murphy on Amazing But True. Here it is. Now that 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 freedom that you speak of, you know, that that's a wonderful thing because as you know with my career, it was every outing was the most important thing. It was life or death for me because if I had a bad outing, I was probably going back down to the minor leagues. It was that was kind of that sensation of the pressure of man, I have to perform and I have to do not just adequately, but I have to do well enough to get another opportunity. Um, you know, throughout your career, I remember I remember the beginnings. And this is a story I don't know if you even remember. Triple A, the only game in Triple A that you had when New Orleans when you showed up. Mm-hmm. Zephyrs. Uh, uh-huh. Yep. Uh Murphy, you were playing third base that night. I, I played believe. third base that night. Uh-huh. Right? Man, you and- have a really good memory. That's really, really impressive. Oh, 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 it's about to get way better, too. This is the Mm -hmm. best part about this story. So I remember it vividly. You came up and we had heard about, man, this guy can rake. This guy has a beautiful swing with you. And you get there day one and he's 0 for going into his last at bat. Winds up getting his hit. His first hit in AAA, you know, applauding, everything very cool. Murphy comes in and immediately gets called into the office. He's going to the show. We're like, Jesus, he's barely got here. So yeah. the best part was, is that when you got the call about you were going to the show, they informed you that it was to play left field. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's not the part. So I remember what was on your face. Do you remember what was on your face at the time? Probably a look of fear and trepidation. I would uh, say you had the worst mustache I had ever seen. You had let oh, this. Oh man, we were, we were, oh my goodness. We had done that in Binghamton. <laughs> 
Yes. That's right. And the first thing you said was, yeah. do I keep it or do I shave it off? Yeah. I'm like, you go to the show, bro. You got to get rid of that thing. It was Yeah, brutal. you did. That was good advice, too. That was really good <laughs> advice. Well, you don't want to, I mean, there's a place for the bingo. You know what I mean? Correct. Like, I love the bingo. Correct. I love Binghamton. But like, the place for the bingo is not in the show. And I thought it was very sage advice. I appreciate that. Man, I forgot that. Well, so, I mean, getting called up to AAA for me was, well, not as significant, but you, like, like you guys were pros. I had been playing with like, I would say like guys I came up with, you know what right, I mean? Right, so when right. I got there, it was, it just had a very professional feel to it. And I was like, well, I had just come from somewhere where we had decided to grow mustaches. Okay. <laughs> and it was, you know, at that is 23. So all the, all the kids in Binghamton had just grown fed up with the season and we were going rogue. So yeah, I remember being in AAA and thinking this is, this is different. Like there's, these guys seem like more mature hunters, if that yeah. makes sense. Yes. Like I got, I got my, I got my knock that night and I hit it off the toe a bit and kind of got this like whoosh, base hit. You know what I mean? And I was like, these guys, cause I, I think I got a couple of breaking balls flipped in there and positive counts that I had earned. And I was like, why would you do that? I'm supposed to get fastballs. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and so I just, I do remember thinking that and I was like, these are more mature killers around here. Yep. Yep. And that, and that was one of the things that I remember. And then you went up to play left field, not having played left field before. And I uh, believe you made a web gem. Did you not? I made a, I made a really nice play and unset the bar significantly too hot for how I ended up performing in left field that season. And, and well, for about maybe four weeks, the next season, they ran me out there, but then it, it was, it didn't last much longer than that. Listen, you you were talking about, you know, those teammates that you had on the way up. And of course, when you get to the big leagues, you have somebody like David Wright there. I, I have one story in mind about David Wright early on in your career, and I'm pretty accurate with it. Spring training. Uh, oh, man, yeah. <laughs> you you yeah. want to I'll let you tell the story. That's all you have to say. Yo, spring training. Stomp on it. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't even think I fired the first shot. I would have been too scared because like to go and battle with David. If you fire a shot at David, you you have to be fully prepared to go to places that that you just didn't think you'd have to go. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. It's like you 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 do something to David and he'd he'd put your car on blocks or something like that. And it's like it's not it's not that it's not funny, David. It's just I gotta get home. You know what I mean? I gotta get to the hotel and get ready for the game tomorrow. And uh so no, I had a my first spring training, uh, I had a Honda Civic that I had purchased with some of my signing bonus, half of my signing bonus. And so, you know, well, when you got to get somewhere, that was my car. So I would bring it into camp every day down there, drove it down to St. Lucie from Jacksonville, got all my stuff in there. And David and Frenchie, Frank Court, got my keys somehow. So I'm not on the menu that day. I think I'm, I'm not playing. And so all of a sudden, you know, they say, we're raffling off this Honda Civic Blue. And I looked down, and I was like, that son of a, looks like my car. Like, it looks a lot like my car. It couldn't be my car, but it looks a lot like it. Well, it's mine. You know what I mean? And it's just getting paraded around, uh, what, the the warning track out there. They said they're <laughs> going to auction off my vehicle. So, yeah, needless to say, that was that was David and Frenchie letting me know that, that well, it's Honda Civic, sir. If you've been, you just don't bring the Honda Civic down to camp. And so I ended up going to buy a Ford Edge, I think. That was my next, that was my upgrade. 
<laughs> so that's one of the beautiful things, right? We talk about hazing and stuff and good natured fun. You see, when you get to the big leagues, guys take it to another level. Like he said, they would legitimately, if you had rims on your car and you bragged about your rims, oh yeah, well, what happens if you don't have your rims at all on the car and they take your wheels off and leave it on blocks? It happened many a time to many a rookie who came in with the, you know, oh, big signing bonus and you had a veteran guy there who's played for 20 years and has made half as much money. They're going to make sure that you uh, humble yourself just a little bit. It's just yeah. part of the they, rites of passage. Well, we had a, um, Brad Andrus. So that that year in spring training, he used to he split us up into lines, and that was my that was that was 09 was my first big league camp. So in 2008, I was in minor league camp. 2009 was my first big league camp, and um, he split us up, and he had first like minor league guys in minor league and the minor leagues who are in big league camp who have been invited over. And then all the way to 10 plus years of major league service. And he said, young guys and the lines all the way there, watch the big books because they've learned how to navigate the forest. And I remember thinking like, the hell is he talking about? But well, when you go into the forest, there are things trying to eat you. (laughs) And all those guys down there with 10 plus years of major league service have learned how to be hunted and hunt. So watch how they move because they move well enough to not get eaten. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. You don't have to be the fastest in the forest. You just have to be faster than the guy next to you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a beautiful game. What is it? The, the, the defense is the only game only where the defense has the ball. So you like, you get to attack in some manner of speaking on defense. Like that's, I love it. And then, well, I like the hitting because I get to decide last and I love that part. I like to gather as much information as possible. And then you try to dance with your dance partner out there and you try to bring them as close as you can because well, when Tyson dropped that uppercut on somebody, it almost like he would whisper in their ear before they shoveled him off next. You know what I mean? So you got to bring your dance partner in close, but the only way to do that is you've got to be in control of your own movements. And so it's, I'm a big fan. I guess the nerves, maybe nerves. That was interesting. So you felt like you're going to throw up. I guess it felt that way in the world series. Like you didn't put up the same numbers in the world series. Did the nerves get worse in the world series? I mean, the Royals pitching was pretty damn good. That was a good team too. I wouldn't say it got worse. I just got, I just got eaten. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, it just wasn't. Um, so what is it? Yeah, I wasn't as confident. And I remember that, that first game, I would say maybe I, maybe I try to think of it foundation, like first principles, the Royals as a team in comparison, I only speak for myself, were more prepared for what was going to transpire in that series than I was. And so by the time, I came to the deed had been done and I had not played very well. No, it makes total sense because remember they had just been to the world series they, the year before. Yep. And I so, did, I heard something too, cause it, it, sorry to interrupt you. They uh-huh. had gone game seven lost cause Madison Bumgarner had thrown the ball so well and won it. And I remember someone told me that the next year, I forget who was, they were, uh, might've been Butera, but I think Hosmer came in the first day of spring training and had shirts to some effect, like, we're here to do one thing and that's to be the team that wins the game seven. I remember thinking that's a choice right there. Yeah. They just, I I would say that's probably how I would describe it. Like I just, I was, I was late to the punch and got punched. And that's the battle you talked about, right? Toe to toe and how you counter and you're able to go on the offense or the defense. You have to make those decisions. That Royals team, being as prepared as they were and that, that really what the, you couldn't even name three of the starters, uh, but that bullpen was just lights out. That bullpen was just, you knew you got to the sixth inning, you were facing plus plus arms with nasty stuff. And yeah, Madsen came back. I played with yep. doggy Madsen had come back that year, Herrera, and then they turned it over to Wade. 
because mm-hmm. Greg Holland had gotten banged up earlier that year, if I'm yes. not mistaken. So he wasn't he wasn't pitched. Yeah, they were they threw the ball. And then even uh, and I say even see why Chris Young went and grabbed like maybe nine outs in the extra inning game in the um in the first one and he threw the ball well. To talk for the defense, they did a good job of putting the ball in play. You know what I mean? Really good contact, you know, make the defense touch the ball. And well, I did I didn't touch it super properly in that series. But I thought they did a because I've been kind of watching it, it it seems like in the postseason like that the contact is because the games are shorter and they're, you know, the all the intensity that just the contact is a much bigger deal in the postseason. You know what I mean? Because you don't have the 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 course of the entire season to let the power if it comes with a bit of a you know swing and miss with it. And so yeah, when you you make the defense touch the baseball in, you know, high leverage situations. Well, they got to touch the baseball when their heart rate spiked through the roof. Yeah, I remember they talked about making Lucas Duda handle the ball, and that was that ninth inning. I remember Familia comes in, and he uh, doing his job of getting the ground still ball. A still gets, a nightmare. Gets the ground ball to David Wright, and it was just wait for let Duda handle the ball. And they throw it across. Duda gets to try and throw home, and he makes the bad throw. Um, that that's just something uh, mistake was made long before that. Oh, that's no, the thing I doubt. drop kicked that ball. People for years would always say, Oh, familiar blew it, familiar blew it. And I was like, actually, he didn't blow it. He he pitched to what he is. He's a ground ball pitcher. And you have to handle the ball. So you have that confidence that your defense is going to make those plays. Without you hitting all the home runs, they never probably never get there anyway. So there's a lot of stuff that is give and take. And I love the way that you speak in terms of we did it and we you know were the best team that year or or you know, the success that you had is because of we and what we did earlier in the game. And that that's something that I think, you know, being a former teammate of yours, you know, it's you're we're interviewing you. And yet the whole time you're deferring to other people, you know, giving Kevin Long and Rosser the, the credit for the success. There's a lot of that that I think people who don't know you or didn't really get to know you during this interview. There's a humility to you. Uh, that is like nothing else. Some people felt that, oh, he's too prideful. That's why he won't come back. Was, no, there's a lot. There's a layer. There's layers to Daniel Murphy that I'm glad that came up throughout this interview. And and it makes me so excited to hear you talk about baseball with the passion that you do. And my, so my big regret right now is, man, I want to stay on as the pitching coach so I can watch this guy every day and see where you're at these days. But I will definitely be out at the ball games and I'm going to try and be a part of spring training so I can at least throw you some BP and see how deep you can take it. Yeah. Me. Yeah, you. I'm gonna send you back to the mound. I don't. Can you do it? You ever? Well, so I've been watching the old, sorry, the old home run derby matchups. Mm-hmm. Watch Mickey Mantle and Willie Mays go at it, and they're throwing that sucker from the mound. That's right, what right. I used to take BP from yeah. the mound. Yeah, man, got the the guy behind the plate art. I forget his name, but he he rung Mickey. He rung um, Willie Mays up on one. I couldn't believe it. You know what I mean? Called strike. Those things are awesome. Those have been fun to watch. Yeah, it's going to be a good time, man. I'm uh, I'm excited for uh, you do, taking advantage of this and I uh, wish you nothing but the best. Well, I appreciate it. I'm going to have you hitting homers off Figgy on loop. Please make sure there's a video camera there. Make sure, you know, I'll, I'll make a TikTok out of it or something. But I'm well, trying to I give up it. home runs. They're trying to well, stand. I'm throwing batting practice. Yeah, I'm trying. I, know, I just time. want to see. It. I want to see you get rocked. It's it's a great thrill for me as your co-host. It's, it's nice. To <laughs> I would consider playing around with that. I almost had my buddy. I had my buddy throwing me some batting practice the other day, and I almost pushed him all the way back to the mound because that's. I mean, they that's the way they took BP at the turn of the century. Like when I go back and watch Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth, those guys are taking batting practice with a guy who's throwing the ball from the mound. For him to be able to step up in, the, in that situation and perform, kudos to him. He's going to get steak dinner for that. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, 
he's a great pitcher, so whatever whatever he wants to do for me, I don't, I don't really care. I'm just happy we got the win. It could be whatever. It doesn't really matter to me. I don't, I don't even want anything, to be honest. All righty, great stuff there from Hiro Fujiwara. As that says, good night to episode 138 of Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Andrew Hartz for helping me produce the show as always. Subscribe to Amazing But True on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, wherever you get podcasts. Give us a five-star rating, write in a nice review. We appreciate your support. And subscribe to the New York Post Sports YouTube page. Find that Amazing But True playlist. Follow the playlist, subscribe. It'll come up. It'll come up on your feed. You can watch full episodes. You're missing a lot. If you're not watching any of the videos, full episodes, clips, exclusives, the full Murphy interview, you get it all there. You know, give us a thumbs up on this video and right below. What do you think of the Max Scherzer ejection? Did you think it was buffoonery? Give us your thoughts about Phil Cuzzy. Sound off on Phil Cuzzy. And what do you think about that loser? Follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio. Follow the show at Amazing but true the Mets go to San Francisco the Knicks got game three of the playoffs on Friday I'll be there Friday and Sunday at the Garden's gonna be absolutely buzzing the Rangers heading into Thursday are up one nothing on the Devils the Islanders are in the playoffs right now playing it is a busy time here in the New York sports scene show a Otani's heading homers in the Bronx hopefully he'll be hitting homers as a New York Met next year at City Field, New York sports is thriving. And hopefully the Knicks and Rangers can move on to the second round. And we'll have that going with the New York Mets. But man, it felt good to beat Syndergaard. It felt good to win a series over a really good team in the Dodgers. You know, early on, it was like people were all concerned. And we are still concerned because there's a lot of injuries the Mets are dealing with right now. And let's hope Joey Lucchese can step in and be okay. Let's hope Justin Verlander is actually back around Cinco de Mayo time to return or to debut for the Mets because they need him. You know, with Carrasco, you know, this Carrasco injury could be longer, could end up being a season ending if he ends up opting for surgery. We'll see. The Mets need guys to step up, and Lucchese is kind of the last guy on the radar here. You talk about all these guys they have. You went to McGill. You went to Peterson. Now you're going to Lucchese. There's not much more down there in the minors. So the Mets can't afford to lose anyone. They can't afford for Scherzer suspension, which I don't think will happen. These guys got to get back. For Daniel Murphy, Hiro Fujiwara, Andrew Hartz, I'm Jake Brown. We'll be back on Monday, me and Nelson Figueroa, as we react to the Mets series in the Bay against the Giants and a lot of old friends. You know, win this series, please. Because if we got to lose to Michael Conforto, J.D. Davis, and Darren Ruff, you know, I'm going to lose some sleep. So enjoy the four-game series. Enjoy the Knicks playoffs, the Rangers playoffs, the Islanders playoffs. And thank you so much for listening to Amazing But True. And we'll close it out like we always do. It'll be in unison because it's just me. Let's go Mets. I will slap you like Will Smith (laughs) if you say New Jersey's the same thing as New York.